Thank you so much. It's really good to be here this morning in Murfreesboro, Illinois. Interesting. <laughs> I see the kids are going out, so I think they are going out to kids' church. If there's anyone here who has to go to kids' church, now is the time. Or else you're trapped with me, all right? <laughs> Pastor Rick, I'll be the first to tell you guys that, you know, I really don't consider myself a preacher now, all right? I remember the very first time I started playing the steel drums as a solo artist. I played with my family for a number of years. The very first time I played on my own without anyone else was right here in this church. I don't know if you guys remember that. Pastor Rick, uh, you were supposed to play the. Uh, you were supposed to bring the message here. Pastor Philip Nordstrom was here, and you had me come over here and play a few songs. Uh, and Pastor Rick said, uh, "Would you like to introduce yourself?" And I said, "No way! I don't want that mic in my hand." <laughs> I was so nervous. Uh, I'm very comfortable with a pair of sticks in my hand and the steel drum in front of me. I'll go to town, but don't give me this thing here. I'm really scared of this thing. But you know, as a child of God, you know, I came to the realization that if you call yourself a child of God, you need to have something to say about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Whether you have a mic in your hand or if you don't, uh, you need to say something about Christ. And um, it's really good to be here. And anytime, Anytime I am on American soil and I have an opportunity to say something, I must start by saying thank you. Yeah, I heard that you're welcome. <laughs> I say thanks. I say thanks. Uh, why am I saying thanks? Uh, I'm not saying thank you because you guys gave us in Trinidad KFC. And if you know anything about Trinidadians, we love ourselves some KFC, all right? We go crazy for KFC. I'm not saying thanks for Starbucks either. Could you imagine in Trinidad, a small, a small 60 long uh, by 40 mile wide country, we have Starbucks in Trinidad and probably about four different Starbucks located all around Trinidad. Uh, my wife says thank you for Starbucks, all right? <laughs> and in Trinidad, we have something called Uber. Uber, how do you say it? Uber, did I say it? We say Uber. <laughs> we have Uber in Trinidad. And our church just did a, um, a little campaign on Facebook. They said, if you are visiting with us in our church and you took an Uber taxi there, we're going to pay the Uber guy for you. Uh, you just come on over and we will pay for your Uber taxi. Uh, you know, but we have such great things in Trinidad because of the American people. But I want to say thanks... Uh, for what you guys do for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's why I want to say thanks. You know, I'm here on the stage, and you guys never met my dad, but my father was the first person in his long line of forefathers to give his heart to Christ. And he was a Hindu, and Hindus teach that there are millions of gods, and if you wanted, you can become a god. 
and my father heard the gospel for the very first time from a missionary who came from a state called West Virginia. And my father heard the gospel for the first time and he knew it was the truth. It was, his words were, it was like light just shot into a tunnel of darkness and there was no denying the truth when he heard it. And his father gave his heart to Christ and his brothers and sisters gave their hearts to Christ and he made sure that all of his kids were walking with Christ. I can tell you that, he made sure of that. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm number seven of eight kids. And you know, every time my, fa my father started a ministry in Trinidad and every time uh, he wanted help uh, to start the service or to pick the, the offering up or any little things inside there, he would go to his sons and he would go to number one, he would go to number two, uh, he would reach number three, but he never got down to number seven and I said, praise God. <laughs> I liked that, you know. Uh, but you know, I'm here and I'm on this stage in Murfreesboro and I could have believed that there were millions of gods, but I'm here because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. But in addition to that, I'm here because of what one guy did from West Virginia, and I can stand here and say that there are not millions of gods, there is one God, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And I always think about where would I have been or where would my family have been or where would Trinidad have been because the trajectory of my family just took a shift when Jesus came into our family. Everything changed. And I'm here in Murfreesboro and um, our church in Trinidad, uh, when my dad started it uh, probably 30 years ago, I can give you a statistic. We have never had a Sunday morning service where we did not have a first-time visitor in 30 years. Always had a first-time visitor. And people are giving their hearts to Christ every single Sunday morning. That's a good place to put your hands together. And I always think back on that one person from West Virginia, and I think he has gone home to be with the Lord, and I don't think his rewards are given to him as yet because they are just continually reoccurring and adding to that. Listen, where would we have been if it was not for that one little seed that guy planted? And, you know, I've been to many states in the U.S. And it started off when I was about seven or eight years old. Someone came to Trinidad and saw the steel drums in our living room. And he said, what's that? And we played a song for him. And he said, you guys have to come to my church in the U.S. and play at a pastor's conference we have coming up. And the, the, the conference, they flew us up to Minnesota in the summer now. This is the summer. And that night, uh, when we landed in Minnesota, it was about 9 p.m., and we looked out the window, and it was still daylight. And we were confused. We get dark in Trinidad at 6.30 every single day. And we were confused, and we went home, and we reached at this house about 11 o'clock that night, and it was about 61 degrees, and we were freezing. 
I mean, I've never felt that cold in my life up until that time, of course. Uh, we had that guy put on his chimney, and he had a fire going in his house for us, and we're warming up by the fire, and he's getting calls from all his neighbors, and they're asking, what's going on with you guys over there? Is everything okay? Do I need a call? The police, for you guys, they said, no, we just have a bunch of Trinidadians in our homes. Everything is okay. And we played the steel drums at this conference, this pastor's conference, and all these pastors heard us, and they said, if you're ever back in the U.S., you need to come to our church. And the next year, we came over uh, to the U.S., and we got a 15-seater passenger van, and we got a U-Haul trailer, and we packed everything up in that trailer, and we went on the road for two months, and we probably played about 40 different times in a lot of different churches, and we just had a great time. I was about eight years old, and every time we played at a church, I would uh, pack up the steel drums very quickly, and I would just run out and meet kids my own age, and I would just shake their hands, and I would ask them, what's your name? And we would exchange addresses, and I'm talking home addresses here, where you write a letter, and you put a stamp on it, and you wait a month to get a reply. That's what I did. And then the next year we came and we went to different churches in different states and we did the same thing. And now I'm 10 years old and I met kids 10 years old, my own age. And then the next year uh, we came back to the U.S. and now I'm getting older. And at 11, 12, 13, we did this every single year. And we were going to different churches all over this country. And uh, addresses turned into email addresses. And then that turned into MSN Messenger. And then that turned into MySpace or, or Facebook and all these things. And now, uh, we, I haven't toured with my family in a long time, but now what I'm seeing is that I'm seeing people popping up on my Facebook page that I met a long time ago and I'm adding them. And then when you add them, you see folks around them that you met and then you add them and then that, you see your brothers that they have friends and you take their friends and then you see more friends. And now I'm reconnecting with a lot of folks that I met in the church in the U.S. and I'm asking them, how are you guys going? How is your walk with the Lord? And let me tell you something, more than half of them, they are not walking with the Lord anymore. And I met all of them in church. And it got me to thinking. I started thinking. I said to myself, what's going on? And I started thinking about America, and I started thinking about what America did, and how much they did, and how much they are doing, and I realized something. And take it from this little Caribbean boy uh, who's just visiting your cold country. Take it from me. America is under attack. You guys do so much for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that you guys became public enemy number one to the devil himself. And the attack that is on the church all over the U.S. is to silence the church from shouting out that name that is above every other name. The attack on the church is to keep those Jesus-shouting Christians quiet. That is the attack. And I don't know if you guys realize it, but I see it. And I started thinking, what is the 
What is the answer to this problem? What can the church do in America? And I started thinking, and one of the things, I think there's a lot of things you can do, but one of the things that I think that you guys need to do is this. I believe that the church simply needs to be the church. A lot of people say that they are the church, but uh, the time for just saying or just talking is over. It's time to do it. And I think the church in America needs to wake up and just start back being the church. I'm going to go to the Bible here, and I'm going to read something. And what I'm going to read, I believe, is a very good example of what the church should look like. Now, I'm looking at all of you here this morning, and I want to tell you guys something. You did not come to church this morning. What I'm seeing is the church coming together here in this building. Because we could go in the car park and we can have church. Or we could go in Walmart and we can have church. <laughs> I think my wife goes to church more than all of you here. I mean, I'm just talking about Walmart. No, I'm just kidding, honey. Now, what I'm saying is that this building is not the church. You are the church. You are the church. And I want to give you guys an example of what the church should look like. And in my opinion, this is a healthy church. And I use the word healthy uh, very specifically uh, because, you know, there are certain churches, they think they are successful when they are big. Or some people measure success of a church when they have a lot of money in the bank. I'm not here to talk about a big church or a rich church. I'm here to talk about a healthy church. And when I was growing up and I reached the age of 20, someone told me or I, I found out that you don't grow any taller when you reach that age. And I was super upset. I was upset. I was hoping for a couple more inches. And if someone came to me today after this service and told me, I know how you can get a little taller, I'm going to listen to you. Uh, and if it's going to cost a little money, I'll think about it. Uh, but if it's ever going to cost me some health or if it's going to risk me being unhealthy in any way, I'm going to say no thanks. Because I know what's more important than being tall or being big. What's more important than being big is being healthy. And there are some people, uh, they will give their last dollar to be healthy because they know what's more important than being rich. What's more important than being rich is being healthy. And I give, if I were to give all of you the choice to be wealthy or healthy, you're going to choose healthy first. Uh, so this morning, I want to talk about a healthy church and what a healthy church looks like. Can I show you guys this? Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And this is what it says. It says this, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spake or spoke the word of God with boldness. I'm going to, uh, let's stay right there. It says this, when they had prayed, 
A healthy church is a praying church. Say amen. amen. A healthy church is a praying church. And when I visit the U.S., I realized something over the years. I realized that a lot of you are angry that someone allowed it to happen, that prayer is no longer in some of your schools. And that is, that is a sad thing in this country called America, uh, this country that is a Christian nation. If you were to come to Trinidad, I will take you guys to the schools in Trinidad, and we're going to tell them about Jesus, and you give an altar call, and those kids can come walking up the aisle and give their hearts to Christ. You can do it in Trinidad. No one's going to stop you. And sometimes I visit the schools here, the Christian schools, and I play the, the music and I encourage them about Christ. And then sometimes you go to other schools and they say, no praying before you start. Just play your music and talk about the steel drums. I can't do anything else. And that's fine. But you know, it's sad that you don't have prayer in some of your schools anymore. But we have no excuses when we don't have prayer in our homes. There's no one you could blame for that one. Prayer in your homes, that's up to you. And a healthy church is a praying church. I think it's time to get prayer back in our homes before you even think about it, get it back in your schools. Can I ask you guys something? Can I ask the ladies something? Do you ladies pray for your, your husbands? What about your kids? Do you pray for your kids? What about your, your siblings? Do you pray for them? Uh, men, do you pray for your wives and kids? Can I ask the church something? Do you pray for your pastors? Do you pray for your president? I'm telling you guys, when I turn on the TV and look at what's happening, your president needs all the prayers he can get. And you take that to mean however you want it to mean, but I'm telling you, he needs your prayers. I'm not asking you if you voted for him. I'm not asking you if you're going to vote for him. I'm just saying as the church, you need to pray for him. And you know, someone told me, Pastor Rick, someone told me this. He said, if you ever talk to, to folks in the U.S., don't talk about politics. <laughs> And I think I'm going to take his advice. Or maybe not. Can I say something here this morning? I'm going to say it. Listen, when I'm done, I'm out of here. You got Pastor Rick to deal with, all right? <laughs> I'm going to say it. It seems to me like every time election comes around, um, when the results come out, it seems to me that 50% of the country is going to be upset. And if the results went the other way, it seems to me like the other 50% of the country, they're going to be upset. And I'm thinking in Trinidad, what's wrong with these folks? What's, uh, you guys have a good thing going. Listen, I want to I gear you up from now. Uh, when the election results come out, you need to remind yourself of something. You need to remind yourself that you serve a God who sits on a throne... And his seat will never be up for elections. He is always going to be the president of presidents. 
and he is always going to be the king of kings and the lord of lords this great country that you live in is a wonderful country but you are just passing through you're going to spend eternity with your real president up there and while you are here you need to lift up whoever is in charge up to and listen you need to pray for him and don't, don't pray that God is going to strike lightning on him now. You pray that God is going to send the Holy Spirit upon him and that he's going to make the decision that's best for this country and he's going to do the best that he can do in his term. And when he fulfills his job, a second term or not, you need to pray for whoever is your president. Whoever. That is your job. This country, Pastor Rick, oh my goodness. This country, they got you guys looking left or right. Right or left, left or right. There's a brainwashing going on, left or right. And as Christians, we need to be thinking up or down because at the end of the day, it's either you're gonna hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me. Everything that will change your mind from that thinking is a distraction. It is. We need to be thinking, well done, or depart. Everything else is just a I don't know how I got there. Um, I think I'm a healthy church is a praying church. Amen? All right. I'm going to leave that right there. Uh, when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. A healthy church continues to assemble together. A healthy church. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of the brethren. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of God. Every time you get an opportunity to come into the house of God, you need to take it with both hands. Tonight, this place should be filled up, and there should be an outpouring of the Spirit of God here tonight. I believe that God is going to show up, and when you show up in the place of prayer, you move into the next realm. You're telling the devil, I'm not, uh, I'm not contented with just being a Christian. I want to be a healthy Christian. And you guys show up tonight. A healthy church always meet together. In this day and age, uh, we've got something called Facebook Live. And you've got uh, your, your iPhones and tablets and all these gadgets. And if you wanted, you could stay in your home and you can have church. All you got to do is punch in a couple letters. If you put J-O-Y-C, Joyce Myers is going to show up, and you listen to a message, and you can have church at home. Or you could just put R-I-C-K, and Rick McNeely is going to show up, and you can have church at home. And, you know, you know that's good. You know, all those things are good. Uh, but this is the real deal. The house of God is the real deal. Uh, my kids, they eat these vitamins, uh, princess gummies uh, from, from Walmart, you know, these princess gummies. And one day I'm looking at this bottle and I'm thinking, what are these girls eating? And I'm looking at the ingredients, the directions, and then there was a warning. The warning said, this is not in substitution for food. So I started thinking, I said, wow, this was meant to be healthy. 
But if this is all that they ate, they're going to be unhealthy. And I started thinking, you know, all these things we have going on, you know, they are supplements to the house of God. They are not substitutes for the house of God. Those things are in addition to, not in replacement of. This is where you get your food. This is where you get the touch from the man of God. This is where the spirit of God can work in your life. This is where you can come down to the altar. This is where you can shake a hand. This is where someone can impart into your life. There is no substitute for the house of God. Whenever you are invited to the house of God, you need to be there. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. A healthy church is a praying church. A healthy church continues to meet together, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Say amen. amen. A healthy church is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, different churches, they're going to talk to you differently about this. But I don't believe that, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit is limited to just speaking in tongues. That is one way to know that the Holy Spirit can be manifested. But there are lots of different ways we can tell when we have the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, some of the things we used to say, we don't say it anymore. Some of the things we used to do, we don't do it anymore. The Holy Spirit does a work in your heart. The Bible says no man can control his tongue. Uh, some things as simple as that is a job for the Holy Spirit. I saw the Holy Spirit uh, did something in my life, and it changed my life forever. Uh, my father, uh, my mom got up to preach one Sunday morning. And then when she got behind the pulpit, she went back down and whispered in my father's ears. And my father came up on the stage and my father preached that morning. What happened was my mom's mind went completely blank. Even though she was prepared with a sermon, she was not ready to preach it. And she asked my dad to preach that Sunday morning. And that was the last message my father preached to the church. And uh, my father got up on stage and preached. And he did not preach something that was prepared. He preached from his heart. And he had an opportunity right there just to share his heart with the church. And when my father died later that week, uh, we had the funeral service for him. And Pastor Rick came to the funeral. And you know, a few weeks after, my mom got up on stage to preach the exact message that she was going to preach. And the message to the church, uh, after she explained everything that she was going to preach, and now she's preaching it, the message to the church was, blessed are those who mourn. It was a message for the church for that time. The message was not needed back then. And the church realized something, that the Holy Spirit was at work in the church. And the, the church realized that this was more than just someone being your pastor. You had the Holy Spirit taking charge of the church. And when I realized that the Holy Spirit was involved, even in my father's passing, I was able to accept it. And I found comfort in a time where I thought would have been my darkest hour. 
and I saw the Holy Spirit ministering to me more powerfully than any speaker. And I realized that the Holy Spirit can teach you something in an instant that you were trying to get your entire life. The Holy Spirit is powerful. And the Holy Spirit shows up wherever he is welcomed. If the Holy Spirit would show up here today and it's going to cause confusion among you, he's not going to show up. He is not an author of confusion. So we as Christians, we need to welcome the Holy Spirit to have his way. A healthy church is filled with the Holy Spirit. Say amen. Uh, a healthy church is a praying church. Can I get the verse up there? A healthy church continues to meet together. A healthy church is filled with the Holy Spirit. A healthy church speaks the word of God with boldness. That attack on America I was telling you about, it is for your boldness. The attack on America is for you to keep quiet. There is a generation out there, there are young people out there, there are people out there, they are just asking the question over and over and over, what is the truth? What is the truth? And we as Christians, we know what is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to tell them what is the truth? You need to preach Jesus to them. When we take the truth and we twist it or turn it around or we make it acceptable to a few, what we are telling them is not the truth anymore. The truth will always be the truth. When you tell them half the truth, they are confused more than anything else. They need to know the truth in entirety. They need to know that Jesus is the truth. This is not my truth or your truth. This is God's truth. This is God's truth. We need to speak the word of God with boldness. We need to start back being the church. Some of you, you have friends and loved ones that need to hear about Jesus, and you think the only way that's going to happen is by you inviting them through those doors. You are the church, and you go out to them every single day. They should be hearing about Jesus every time they are in your presence. You are the church. It's time to live like it. Be bold about it. There's some of you, uh, let me tell you something. There's no one too rich, too influential, too busy uh, to be bothered for Jesus. If you're going to bother somebody, bother them about Jesus. It's time to get back to that place. I think the time for compelling has reached Compel them to come in. We need to be bold about the word of God. Can I get the next verse? Verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. A healthy church has unity. 
Say amen, somebody. Amen. A healthy church has unity. Uh, can I ask Pastor Rick and Debbie, could you guys stand for me? Uh, I know October is Pastor's Appreciation Month. I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if you guys know. But could you guys give these folks a round of applause, please? Yeah. Lay it on them. I think you guys should stand to your feet and give them a round of applause this morning. Give them a round of applause. Yeah, yeah, they deserve it. Yeah. You may have your seats. Thank you so much. You guys wanna honor these folks? There's something you can do. You can be unified as a church. When a church is unified, let me tell you guys something. Their job is over. When, when a church is unified, your job, you, you guys, you are free as a bird. You are free to let the Holy Spirit just take control. When a church is not unified and everyone is pulling in a different direction, you get nothing done. If someone wants to go that direction and the other wants to go and you're going like that and you're pulling, uh, whatever you're, you're pulling with you, it stays right there. You're not going to go anywhere. One will put 1,000 to flight. Two will put 10,000. Uh, unity does not even care about the laws of mathematics. That is the power of unity. When we get everyone focused in one direction and moving together, uh, look out. Look out, and you find me the biggest church or the smallest church, show me the one with unity. That is the church that is going to get the job done. That is the church that is going to get the job done. You guys want to be a healthy church? Be unified. Get that one going. Now, I know there, there, back in Trinidad, there are some churches, uh, when, you, when you use the word unity in a church, uh, that is, that is the, the most difficult thing to get done in a church. The devil knows what he's up against if you guys would be unified. The very first thing he wants to do in a church is to cause division. Unity. Try it. It's powerful. That sounds like a little slogan, right? Unity, try it. It's powerful. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> a healthy church has unity. A healthy church is a praying church, continues to meet together, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks the word of God with boldness. A healthy church is unified. One more thing. No one owned, uh, uh, let's see. Could we go to the next verse, please? Verse 33. Let's go to the other verse, uh, verse 34. Can we get verse 34? Uh, Neither was there anyone among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. Let's go to the other verse. And laid it down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according to he had need. A healthy church looks out for one another. 
This church brought the things uh, that they were working for, brought it into the church, and made sure the needs of the church were met. A healthy church has trust in their leadership. They brought the things, they were conducting their businesses, and they brought the things and laid it at the apostles' feet. A healthy church has trust in their leadership. And I want to encourage you guys this morning. I want to encourage you guys this morning. In Trinidad, if you were to leave my house and go to the nearest town, you're going to pass a few Hindu temples. And in these Hindu temples, you see uh, idols and incest coming from the idols. And you see kids and young people worshiping at the idols. And when I see that, it breaks my heart. It does. Uh, But something that breaks my heart even more is when I reach out to my friends who once knew the Lord, and I ask them, how is your walk with the Lord? And they say to me, I don't walk with the Lord anymore. There's something that is so sad about someone walking away from the truth. And I just want to encourage you guys here this morning that we are the answer. I want to tell you guys that you are the answer. And if you were to be a healthy church, there's no stopping you guys. God bless you guys. Pastor Rick, I'll hand it back over to you. I thought about what Israel was saying about reaching out to people that used to walk with the Lord to find out that they're no longer walking with the Lord. I don't know where you're at in here with your walk with God. My prayer for you is that you're closer today than you were yesterday, but you'll be closer tomorrow than you are now. Those that are listening or watching online, I don't know where you're at with God. You, I've met people throughout my life that because somebody said something or somebody did something and they got hurt, they walked away from church, they walked away from God. My question to them was always, did God do that? Or was that an individual? Are, are you making God pay for something? that he didn't do that's like getting getting a bad meal at a restaurant and refusing to go to any restaurant because somebody served you poorly nobody I've ever met walks on water except Jesus and so Don't put your faith and your trust in men. We need to love each other. We need to be unified and be there for each other. But we need to serve God. And so there's nothing worth walking away from him for. I thought about that song they were singing earlier, Run to the Father. If you walked away from him, I want to give you an opportunity right now to make your way back to him. I thought about that. That's, 
that's startling. Over 50% of the people that he met that were Christians throughout all those years now are no longer Christians. A few years ago, uh, I guess maybe three years ago, uh, a guy that I grew up with called me. He was going to be in Johnson City. I, I lived, this is when I, I, I knew him from when I lived up around Chicago and he was going to be in Johnson City. He said, I, I, I want to come by and see you. And I met him in Carbondale and I began to ask him about the guys from the neighborhood and found out that some of them were in prison, not working in prison, but living there. I found out that some had been buried. His own story, this boy, his bro he's the last one left in his family. He had a brother commit suicide. He had another brother that was killed in an altercation with uh, police officers. He had another brother that was running from police officers, careened off the road, hit a tree. He had another brother that died from, I believe it was a drug overdose. He's the last one of eight that's living. And you know what saved his life? It's because when we were friends, I invited him to go to church. And he went to church and gave his heart to God. When he came here, that was when Dean was still here. When he came here, he, he looked at Dean and he said, I want you to know something. He said, this family saved my life. We didn't save his life. Jesus saved his life. We just introduced him to the one that could. All around you every day, you come in contact with people that desperately need to know. They put on a smile, but their hearts are broken. And they need to know that God not just cares about them, but he loves them. How many of you are ready to say, God, here I am, use me? Would you do that? I wonder if you'd just stand with me right now as they come and they get ready to sing. We're going to have a word of prayer together. I want you to pray this prayer with me for those that are watching or listening today and you're away from God. It's a good day to come home. It's a good day to say yes to Jesus. It's a good day to say, I want to come home. If you're in this building today and you've ventured away from him, you know, going, I've said it all, you know, for years that if going to church makes you a Christian, then when you walk into a garage, you're a car. It's not your location, it's the condition of your heart. And so if you're away from God today, you can be made right with God in a moment by saying, here I am, Lord. Would you pray this prayer with me right now? Father, I want to come home. I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sin, to come into my heart, to bring me hope again, joy again, and peace again. I accept you right now as my Lord and Savior. And I say yes. 
Jesus, I'm coming home. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this place today. You walk out of here today, I want to make sure that you've got in your mind and in your heart that I'm going to share Christ with someone. You're the best evangelist in your world because nobody can tell your friends about how good God has been to you like you can. So we're going to ask you to let God use you today. Is that okay? They're going to come and we're going to take up a special offering for Israel. I want you to give today. They're traveling across the United States. And look, he, he shared a great word today, didn't he? A needed word. And we need that in America. We need the churches to be in unity. We need to be praying for our leaders. We need to quit looking at the problems and start looking to the answer. Amen. Let's pray together. We're going to take this offering you give us. God has blessed you. Father, we just pray your blessing over this today. Ask your blessing over Israel and his family. Lord, that you'll show favor to them as they travel, that you keep them and let them be an encouragement to others. I ask now, God, that you'll just commit angels around them and preserve them in Jesus' name. They take this up. Would you worship with the team as they sing? Run to the Father, fall in the grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father. Can run to, you can run to the Father. I, I know I've got two mics on. Just a word before you leave today, Israel has CDs available. If you enjoyed his plane, stop by and visit that CD. Let's pray one more time, and let's let the team take us out in a word of, or in a, a song as we pray a dismissal prayer. Father, thank you for all you've done today. We're so thrilled to have been in your presence and ask that you go with us. And remind us, God, that you've made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And if you're on our side, then we can face anything. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. God bless you today. Encounter tonight at 6 o'clock.